You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. So, like, it depends on when you were born and if you can actually grasp the idea of um, it's a new as a new form of communication in comedy. Yeah. Which also comedy is a form of communication, but it it all depends on how you relay your information. Hello and welcome to Drinks with God, a podcast about alternative theological experiences, death, and life. All of the following content is based on each interviewee's own personal experiences and is meant to be educational, not confrontational. Awesome. Levels look good. And I guess this is where I introduce you. Um, welcome to another episode of Drinks with God. Today I've got the host of YouTube channel and podcast of Righteous Raikou, which is about wrestling and Pokemon. Awesome. Um, I'm just going to refer to him as Tobin, because it's easier in my own brain. <laughs> um, and we're going to talk a little bit about what it all means. I had to make a pun. I had to do it. <laughs> the memeing of life. The memeing of life. This is going to be a very pun-heavy heavy episode. If you're not into having some pun, then you should leave. Probably. <laughs> Alright, so we are talking about um, something that I think is overlooked by certain demographics, but a completely obvious topic to others. The fact that um, memes are uh, to say it's an art, art form is kind of is kind of missing the point and also stupid. They're like the new version of Dadaism. It's a art, it's an artistic social commentary, and at the same time, the, that whole new form of communication and humor that post tech like now that texting has become a, a common form of communication. It's just kind of the. Ne- I think, the next step in all that. So let's talk a little bit about the cultural phenomenon of basically the the dark humor of memes. Um, I always start with this question, Tobin. Why should we be talking to you about this? Um, well, you're talking to the meme expert. <laughs> um, you know this personally. I am a professional shit poster on Facebook. That's all I do on my Facebook. I am not joking. <laughs> All I do is probably just share random fucking memes, and it's it's hilarious. And I've been involved with memes since the inception back in 2008 to, two, like, 2006, 2008. The real roots started going in around 2008, and there's a... But back then, it wasn't really as dark of a tunnel as it went now. Yeah, back then, it was more just... Because back then, it was all simplistic. Yeah, it was more just kind of a... Pairing a phrase with an image, it wasn't, um, there was no real self-referential culture that was involved into it. Um, no. Yeah. It, it was kind of, they were a lot more standalone. Um, and actually let's... Yeah, the... the pro- oh, no, no, go on. Oh, I was saying, yeah, like the, because the, the thing is, like, the memes have evolved in the sense of... Um, at first, it was literally just... One of the first memes was um, Fry, um, take all my money. Um, it was, Shut up and take my money. I'm sorry, misquoting that. And then there's um, the success, success Kid, uh, Bad Luck Brian. Like it, it was basic stuff that revolved around a singular picture, not necessarily de- depicting a real... Uh, a real person and or scenario except maybe Battle of Brian, which for some reason that was that's an actual person now he actually has some money for meme acquisition um but it's 
the way it's it's evolved, it's evolved with human communication. Now it's becoming an actual um, way of communicating with people. Even if they don't speak the direct language you do, you if they've seen the same picture you do, like let's say Pepe, everyone's seen the Pepe meme. Sad Pepe, sad things. Happy Pepe, happy Pepe. good things. Like it's a universal communication tool nowadays. Um, so let's act, let's uh, define terms a little bit. There is a kind of a shelf life to some memes, and then there's also a building upon like a self-referential culture. And the whole idea of a mimetic joke has to do with a lot of its unpredictable unpredictability of it and its timing of it. So that so many people I've seen try and use memes as a marketing tool and it just backfires, and then it just dies in the water. But a meme that um, actually takes off and becomes a shorthand for an emotion, for a reaction to something, they start to build upon them. They start to build upon each other, and I'm sure there's like a hundred uh, references to that you could think of, but. There's many ways to kind of dive into this, where one of the biggest examples I can give is um, the Great Meme War of 2016, I'm sorry, um, where essentially it was the whole election and an outpouring of memes through um, actually really all three political sides, um, one being libertarian and the other far left and far, well, left, right. You could say far left, far right, but to me they're all the same shit at this point, um, where Everyone trying to campaign for their own voter and literally shit spewing um, out of their mouths through their shit posting of Pepe's from the far from the right and far right, which now are declared a hate symbol, um, which is kind of ironic. And now that people are using it in a sense of irony. Yeah, I, but, that whole and, bit where they were like declaring this, like now this this stupid frog picture shorthand is now a hate symbol, and it's like that. That's its own whole thing. <laughs> but any, but and and, the problem with... Let's finish your sorry. point first, and then we'll get back into that. Uh, okay, because I'll say, like, the problem with that, that um, the ACLU declaring it a hate symbol was the fact that they were using only one instance through a 4chan post um, that there, a lot of them had Donald Trump symbolism or Nazi symbolism, but it's not it, – they only use those one isolated incidences. And even one time on, I believe, CNN, they dug up a KKK Pepe meme, which everyone um, backtracked. And it turned out it was not even on Reddit or 4chan. So really, CNN made it to make their, um, make their point across that it was a hate symbol. Yeah. And, and with that, they made – And it's now being used as a political tactic. Yeah. But um... – before we get into uh, the 2016 U.S. election and what that did for memes, because that's a whole can of fish we should definitely talk about, um, shit posting as an actual term, and not to be confused with YouTube poop. Um, so sh- shit posting—that's basically just—I'm trying to think about the simplest way to, to define that. I mean, there's such thing as like, like I think Tumblr shit posting is its own thing, where it's just like you put up. A like a fragmented sort of funny in its own context sentence, and then people reply to it, making it slightly more ridiculous, and it builds on itself. That's similar but different to shit posting with memes. Yeah. So the every category, like every website, technically has their own category of shit posting. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest shit posting websites is 4chan, and Reddit is up there too. They they both go back and forth all that. Um, Reddit is more, um, text-based when it, and not necessarily, sometimes picture-related, sometimes not, um, and not even picture at all. A lot of it is text-based, while as 4chan, it's a picture associated with text, but it tells a story which becomes the meme. It's like, oh, be Anon, age 40, whatever, and it just spirals down from there. There's, there's some instances I can list, but I... There, there's certain rabbit holes that should not be, ever be dug up. With Twitter, the memes there, it's all people. People are the memes. And then Facebook, it's all picture-based. That you can have, and it always associated with image and text sometimes, out of, but it's usually out of irony. 
it's never out of um, make, directly making a joke because the joke is the irony. That's where people find it funny. And then like, there's there's a dark side where you have, um, let's say, a mass shooting. Immediately a meme. Five minutes later. Yeah. And something about uh, comparing it to Columbine or uh, someone starting to put recording um, of that video and tying it in with um, all the other kids with the pumped up kicks. It, it, there's a certain lot, like there, there's certain rabbit holes when it comes to memes. There's the lighthearted ones, which is just really irony. And then there's a whole different spectrum. And, um, and it's just hard to explain. Yeah. I've yet to find, um, memes that don't, well, I mean, I'm sure there's a handful, but, uh, dark humor and just um, an irony and also um, hyperbole are just kind of like the orders of the day when it comes to this sort of thing. You can't, these aren't meant to be taken at face value, which is, I think, another really interesting reason why it was such a big tool in the 2000, like, in the popular um, view, views of the 2016 election. Because it was an ironic... Like, people would be posting things that would look like they're um, over the top in support of the candidate they weren't supporting in an effort to, um, you know, you know, make make their other the other candidate look bad and then theirs look good by comparison. Or that one video that um, Hillary put out, like, with Chillery, with, I think... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I remember sharing it. Like, that is just... It was just a series of nonsensical visuals and um, and like uh, just shit talking at nobody, and that was it was in the spirit of it, but it didn't really like go far aside from the fact that like oh look she did that. So because the problem with that like the whole great meme war um, and, and the fact that for all we know that it might be coming up even closer than that, considering we're even getting closer to world war at this point, um, but. With that, it was, and the pro, one of the biggest problems with uh, the meme war is there was a good amount of people, and that's outside the range of millennials. So for clar- like just for a basis of what we're classifying as millennials, it'd be age eighteen. If you're basically eighteen, um, and your birthday is basically before two thousand, you're a millennial. It was the whole range of millennials that only got that humor. A lot of the people that are outside that range, um, which are baby boomers, they don't understand this, so they usually just take it straight at face value. I mean, and that, that was a big issue. I mean, Gen X is in there too, but they tend to understand what where millennials are coming from. But, yeah, yeah, but... Because the thing is with Gen X is... So, almost between like 60s and 80s was Generation X. And... So, like, at that point, my parents would be considered Generation X, and my dad has no fucking clue what a meme is. Yeah. He's so fucking lost when it comes to it. Um, so, like, it depends on when you were born and if you can actually grasp the idea of um, it's a new as a new form of communication in comedy. Yeah. Which, also, comedy is a form of communication, but it, it all depends on how you relay your information. Yeah, and actually just... Back to that whole thing. I I honestly think that uh, the second that it can be adequately defined and understood, that the whole idea of mimetic communication and how it properly functions and how to predict how to do it will be when it dies. Um, if only if only because that's what happened with Dadaism, which I did want to quickly get back to, because the Dadaist art movement, it was continuously dismissed and considered. Um, not just uh, like irrelevant and unnecessary by artists and by um, political figures, but once it actually started to become mainstream, is when when it collapsed essentially because it it lost its point. The whole the whole idea of um, da- the whole idea of Dadaism for those who aren't really aware of the movement, like um, Salvador Dali is probably the most well known one of the names. I'm going to throw it out there. But um, it's uh, you know it's a, it's a, mostly from um, based out of Switzerland, started in the early 19, 1900s. Really, between the two world wars is the height of it, and it was just 
the idea of taking something and whether it was a political idea, whether it was um, a another artist's concept, or whether it was the concept of art itself, or of a political thing itself, a specific political thing itself, and just twisting it on its head. Um, like, cub cubism kind of um, was alongside of it and came out of it, but like uh, Marcel Duchamp was a very big part of the Dadaist movement. Like, uh, his, uh, this is not a pipe. Like, that was a, probably the most famous um, piece that he did. Very, very much an iconic part of the movement. Because people would uh, see this very realistic painting of a pipe and this nonsensical phrase underneath it. And, well, that, that can't be, is this art? Well, you're saying it's not art. You're, it was, um, you know, I think it's more... Dadaism, um, before this whole meme explosion, was very, very similar um, to how people were looking at tag tagging and um, street art in the 90s. Um, whereas, like, no, this can't possibly be art. Why are you trying to bring politics into it? Why are you putting it there on the wall? Why are you going in a back alley to do it? Why are you being disruptive about it? Just put it on a canvas and hang it you know, somewhere like you should, like you're supposed to. Um, but anyway, so that's just a quick spitballing of it for people who aren't quite sure what it is. And, and that, the pro, like, so with dataism is, um, it, it's a not, art is a general form of communication. Yeah. And this was a um, surreal um, movement, so to speak, because the abstract paintings were completely depicted in um, surrealism, abstractism, however you want to push it in what direction, it still displayed a underground movement of an advancement of people. Yes. And how people are constantly learning and tr there's developing new ways of communication, whether it be by um, meta-referencing or just being so abstract and way out of there that you the message could be directly in front of your face and those who don't get it will not get it. Yeah. And when it comes to street art though, which is a tankly, I would consider a different movement. Yeah. I was, um, just, I was saying before, um, me before memes, I would say that the closest movement to Dadaism would have been street art. But I just think memes ha have the same sort of, um, communication thrust. Um, and that street art's more of its own thing, but yeah, street art, it still happens, though. Yeah. Um, it's still prominent, at least to a certain extent today, and it's also less criminalized. Because um, a lot of those vandalism charges, they will end up being dropped, because if they make something really, really good, then they would be like, oh, cool, he made art. Um, and now he can make money. But, and it became... With street art became a whole movement of creativity, especially in the underprivileged areas where you you have crime running rampant everywhere, and not everyone's really listening to you about what the problems are going on. Whereas your quote unquote vandalism, um, it's sending out messages, but it all depends on who wants to receive them. Exactly. Um, I say that it's we're basically becoming a with the advancement from dadaism to um, street art to memes, it's almost becoming um, a new age of renaissance, whereas some renaissances um, were based in art, whether it be French or English. And then, um, unlike uh, the Middle Eastern um, renaissance, where it's more scientific and medically based, but it's still an advancement of uh, the society with the technologies that are also growing with it and the ideologies that are growing with it as well. Um, and the one thing that I think is really fascinating about um, where memes are going is how quickly it becomes international. Because just with the nature of the inter internet, as it currently is, th there are obviously certain countries where there's firewalls up and you can't quite access everything and the full internet is not available to everyone. Me uh, but memes are still a fairly effective form of communication across those barriers. Whether or not there's text involved, um, so, so what makes uh, memes so unique is the fact that it is a cultural movement that's happening 
worldwide at the exact same time, like to the second, because it is based online. So there isn't all that much of a language barrier with it, and you could see it like break break across cultures, um, and even kind of start to mix cultures. And it's actually really interesting because you'll people people will say like, like the very very basic like oh you know you. You grow up um, over here when, and then they'll list a couple things. Like, those are, like, way back, like, things that people would do back during the MySpace age. And now you'll see similar but different things happening so that there's, like, an introduction of cultures through a criticism of culture, which I think is unique and really fascinating. Yeah. With, um, when those lists come out, like, half the time it's out of truth like oh you know you grew up in new york when um it's like you print or like you grew up on long island and you know how to pronounce padjog and quahog at or cutchog i still can't pronounce even the <laughs> same <laughs> towns i live on long island listen i don't go out east that much but like hop hog and all sorts of other areas of long island that that's your, um, or even Shinnecock is probably one of the biggest examples I can give. Um, like, oh, you know you're on Long Island, you know how to do this, and this, and this. Meanwhile, when it comes to New York, like, oh, it, when it comes to irony, it's like, oh, you know you grew up in New York if you say dead ass, or wear Tim's unironically, or, or, I'm sorry, ironically, or some shit like that. And I'm just like, this is so stupid, but immediately people start doing it. And out of irony, it becomes fact. And it's, it's strange, because people do things out of irony to be ironic, but then the ir- ironic becomes the norm. Yeah. Like dabbing, for example. People started that out of irony, and now it's literally nonstop. Yeah. An example that I'm constantly hearing and seeing and doing myself, like forms of expression and hyperbole. You won't just see somebody and say, like, oh, they're really hot, you'd say, like, I'd willingly let them murder me. And other people wouldn't just be like, are you okay? They'd be like, same. Like, that's... Like, pe- like people... Like, it's not just irony. It's also the um, hyperbole and... Or, like, someone will share a picture of, like, a random... Like, like a swan just, like, sitting there, like, on a bagel. It'll be like, me. And, like, everyone will be like, yeah, same. Like, you don't need to explain the image. And it'll just kind of create its own definition. Yeah, I, I, the amount of times I've been on Facebook, someone shared just, like, a picture of a duck and a bat. There, there's been at least one time someone shared a picture of a duck in a bathtub, and someone said, literally me. It's a goddamn duck in a bathtub. Yeah. If that doesn't explain the origin of irony, I don't know what does. Or some people saying, like, I am literally a potato, and I'm like, no, you're a human, but thanks for playing. <laughs> and that, that's the whole movement of what's becoming of the generation now and the generation to come, is our sense of humor is becoming more and more dark. And it, besides the fact that apparently some studies show that a, dark, a sense of dark humor shows um, early stage of dementia, so that'll be interesting. Um, once that comes down the line. Um, but I won't remember it anyway. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it's really fascinating where when I, w- growing up through the internet, this, as soon as Facebook really started, it started a huge amount of things. The, the whole unification of people helped underground movements start with, like, Arrow Spring and all that, and then more and more people joined Facebook, and that's more arising in Egypt when that dictator got thrown over. And it's just, it shows how Facebook, even through, whether it be memes or just a basis of communication, it's so easy to communicate from point A to point B, and it's so hard to actually censor. Yeah. And that there's an also topic of... People will try to argue for censorship on certain things, but it that also creates a slippery slope of, well, if this isn't allowed, what's next? Yeah. Especially, I, I'm going to get sidetracked on this for only briefly, but in Scotland, um, 
a YouTuber named Kaut Dankula was just recently found guilty of outrageous comments. Just, I forget the exact wording of the judge, but now Count Dankula is serving a year in prison just because as a joke, and he prefaced this as a joke, that um, he taught his, like, he showed his uh, pug Nazi propaganda and made try to become a Nazi pug because the whole premise of the joke was he his girlfriend said, oh, this pug's so cute, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know what? She's going to think it's so cute if I be, make it look like the most horrendous thing. And people don't understand that joke. And now people are paying the price. Someone is paying the price for the fact no one understands a joke. Yeah. And it's quite literally a joke. For the fact that the humor... So now it becomes a 1984 yeah. scenario. Yeah. I mean, like, literally, I've... Speaking of 1984 and censorship, like, I literally, on a previous podcast, I was saying... Oh yeah, no, that's just between you, me, and the NSA. Um, speaking of which, hi, hi NSA. Thank you for listening on this recording. I highly recommend you watch The Lives of Others. It's one of my favorite movies. Yo, NSA, check out my YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure that like this, the raw recordings alone are put me on a watch list. That and the fact that I actually love the movie Almost Mercy. But hey, listen, if if I was on the watch list for half, I'd probably be on a watch list for half the things that I I Google, and I'm just like, oh. Hi, Mr. FBI man. But um, again, that whole that whole bit in Scotland just trend goes back to the whole lack of um, intergenerational communication when it comes to this, because it just is so its own thing. Memes will just kind of um, spring up out of nowhere, and then they'll take on a life of their own. And unless you're watching closely and know how the organism tends to behave and tends to look, you're not going to be able to tell when it's. Um, some actual crap, uh, you know, meme that uh, has some bad blood behind it, or if it's something that is ironic and actually funny. And you won't be able to see when something actually crosses the line. It just, like, it comes down to the elements of comedy. Yeah. Like, the the basis of comedy is um, tragedy and time is presented as comedy. Yeah. But it depends on the timing of said joke to be able to land and be able to stick and be able to be viewed as acceptable. Like if you joke, and I, I can easily get flack for this. If you joked about nine 11 today, there's enough time that's passed where really it's, it's some of the jokes like they can actually be funny, but you actually have to, be, like, it has to actually be funny. Yeah. Where you can't just say, ha ha, all these families died. No, that's that's actually not funny. You have, If you sneaked in, like, a pun, or, like, have a picture of um, one of the towers that's burning, you drew a face on him and smoking a blunt. That's actually funny. And I think of, um, I forget where I'd heard this or who I'd heard said it, but what's best about Gallo's humor, which is a main pillar for a lot of what we're talking about is Gallo's humor is it's Gallo's humor is great and fantastic. If you're standing up there on the gallows, but if you're out in the audience, that's, it's no longer funny, which is ironic though. When you say that, because really the subject should be the one being laughed at, because if you're on the gallows, you're the one suffering and bearing the consequences. Yeah, and the ones that the audiences really are, are watching your mistakes fall on you. So really, it's their their choice to laugh. And really, I feel like it's almost a false comparison because there, a lot of it is self especially self-deprecating humor. Well, yeah. So you put yourself on the gallows, and usual there's a good amount of people that will laugh with you, not well, necessarily laugh at you because they know where you're going with it. Oh, I'm not talking about where the laughter's coming from. I'm talking about where the joke's coming from. Is Fair it, enough. Yeah, if, is the joke coming from somebody that's in the audience that's just watching that all happen to you? Or is it the joke coming from somebody who's actually standing on the gallows and then everyone can laugh? People on the gallows, people in the audience, everyone. I'm talking about who's actually making the joke. Because when it comes to gallows humor, let's be honest, all of the millennials are on the gallows. Exactly. We're, we're not really put in a um, fair fight scenario, so to speak. Um, with, and I'm not really one to talk about minimum wage and all that stuff, because, I mean, I have a decent job. I'm not, I'm not saying I have a great one. I have a decent one. Um, 
at that, at that point that we're also arguing economies and that's also very, very off topic. But in terms of going back to the whole idea of our whole generation is on the gallows, memes as a coping mechanism. Yes. Yeah. With that, like, that's, that's the thing, like, um, but my, my dad, he once used a very, very, um, dark humor joke at work once where, um, someone was making a joke about, or someone was talking about choking and, um, he said that like, oh, well, I couldn't resuscitate uh, him referring to uh, his father. And I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> like I did, there's really no good way to expl- like to laugh at that when you're just like, especially when you're in like work scenario, even though I'm just like, that was good. <laughs> but cause we're, we're in a generation where yes, we are on the gallows where we're, we're, we're dealt with kind of a bad hand from the start on because it, it doesn't really matter about um, color, gender. It, overall, we are kind of have the stack against us with um, economy and all, all these things that we try to have all these qualifications for, and it's not helping us. But what we do, And yeah. that memes are our coping mechanism. Yeah, because the one thing we do have going for us is the communication and the ability to actually commiserate. And this whole and um, exactly and that at the very least we have we had made our own. We, it, it also gives us a new perspective on certain events because of um, let's just say the news reports one thing, but someone who was there firsthand shows a meme, and let's just say it, like it's shown out of irony, but there is truth to it. Then it gives us more insight on like are they really telling the truth here, or like are are we kind of being fed? one specific narrative, whereas where something really happened at quote-unquote ground zero, how are we really, like if, I really can't formulate words with this, forgive me. Oh. Um, I did see one really good one, and I hate to bring up or make light of any sort of school shootings, but they are very common in this country, and... There, what there is a recent dialogue that's going around about the whole. Um, oh, if only this person wasn't bullied, then they wouldn't have shot anybody. But then somebody responded to one of those tweets of with, "Well, uh, I was also bullied, and he and this person shot at me." So then, just like the dot dot dot, and then this like the you know shrugged shoulders smiley face guy. Um, so like, and that went viral, you know, pretty quickly. It's, it's not, um, like, see, so, like, with the whole quote-unquote ground zero memory, I don't know how else to put that, but, um, people who are, like, right there, and who are, um, who can only fight back at, like, um, how, at the spin with either, um, with either humor or with just, um, quick comebacks, because that's kind of, like, what how we have to, how, like, you know, we are communicating currently as a, as a generation. Exactly. Yeah. I just, it seems to be, to be the order of the day with it. Yeah, with Florida, there the problem with, like, that scenario is there was a lot of, I want to say, um, tasteless um, memes going around because, like, the bodies weren't even cold and immediately just... And for lack of a better term, guns blazing on both sides, um, when immediately putting in um, pro or an anti-gun and all these sort of things, when as much as that is maybe part of the issue, there's still more at hand that we're not looking for more into. Because both sides can be somewhat right of, whereas um, those who are pro-gun, I would identify myself as pro-gun, but I still agree with more, with background checks, making sure the person's actually mentally stable to handle a gun. Proper training, all these things. I'm perfectly for that. Just everyone does have the right to bear arms. It's in the Constitution. Yeah. Um, and the thing thing is, like, a lot of people are sharing false narratives when it came to um, being pro-gun, and the bodies weren't even called, and the whole fact of politicizing that tragedy, and I'm complete against politicizing any tra- tragedy, 
it the fam, families need to be able to grieve silently and respectfully because yeah. if all they hear all day back and forth is just memes and memes and memes of and not even ironic memes it just straight up like tasteless like ha 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 the, these mad people are dead because of um x y and z and also the fact they're showing memes of the the person's face you don't want why do you want to give that person infamy it, it doesn't add up to anything now there's um yeah that that is also the the dark the the real dark side of the of this whole form of communication is how quickly it can get out of hand um and how the fact that it's all online it's got that the problem of the anonymity of the internet where people don't take a second to stop and think who they're memeing about because they want something to be done the second it's relevant because they they I hate to be so trite as to say like they don't care how many bodies they step on to get the their the dankest memes out there but that's essentially what seems to be happening I completely agree with that where um there is a loosening of there's a graying of the line mm-hmm. and the line is becoming so gray you can't tell which hue it is at this point. Yeah. And it's it just it it literally becomes a slippery slope of if someone crosses the line once, now people are gonna be completely behind um, a person who's like any person who's close to that line, they wanna try to push that line back and back and back. So now nobody know, like it's gonna be harder to tell what is good and what's not. Because now it's going to be come to the point of no one can take a joke, and like one of the one of the memes that I remember uh, from the inauguration, which was half funny and like half kind of twisted, was um, at the inauguration. Uh, Donald Trump's um, youngest son, um, I, I can't remember his name, but someone made a meme out of him saying um, he's going to be the first homeschool shooter, and I'm like. That's really funny, but that's really messed up. Yeah, yeah like there's, it, it, there's, it's one of those 50-50s. Yeah, there's just lines that get crossed too readily. Just with again, because the whole anonymity thing, which I think is also part of where celebrities get caught up in as well. Um, as much of where people just assume that they're an anonymous thing to play with, as much as. Uh, any, anybody that they just see through the barrier of the internet. Um, we've gone we've gone down some very serious roads here. I did uh, um, we did all but, and we did cover everything I wanted to cover. But um, was there anything else that you wanted to jump in on? It's more of the if the history memes. I feel like. I, I feel like it was only like briefly covered because there there was a certain stepping stone of what happened where um, as you I, I want to say the turning point was about 2013 yeah from like 2008 2012 it was all just picture based and very very simplistic I want to say it was never really meta it was straight in your face this is um, punch joke punchline that's it yeah that thing in and now, of itself. Exactly, and then post-apocalypse, which um, I, I I still want to call apocalypse at this point because the ending of 2012, and there's apparent is conspiracy that we all died at that, and this is our form of hell, which I would actually kind of laugh at if that was the case. Um, but with that, with the post-apocalypse, now we started springing up jokes that would not make sense. Um. And you really have to be, you would have to keep up with the times to understand the meta-ness and utter all just insanity of everything where things are being taken like completely out of context from cartoons, cartoon panels, all these things. And you, you have to be very, I want to say quick-witted to, uh, to be able to understand and get instantly. Because especially with people like me who... Um, shit post. We're constantly scrolling through Facebook so so fast and seeing at least like hundreds, a hundred, hundreds a day. Um, so if we don't, if we're stuck on a meme for like a minute, that that's more and more time that we don't see 
what's more current. And that's also what comes down to the meme economy of if a joke is funny, it's funny, but it it's going to become a quote-unquote dead meme if it's used probably for more than about a week. Yeah. Then because it becomes a normie meme and it's just overused and just not funny anymore. When it's it's anything that, like it's a joke that it's been told too many times, kicking the dead, the dead horse, so to speak. Yeah. And it's it just become a whole different side of um, a renaissance in cultural um, terminology. Because even if you don't speak the same language, um, you can still show someone a picture. And chances are, if they've seen the picture, they get the context. And you can still have that one-to-one communication if you just send pictures, which I find is uh, fantastic because we're developing our own form of communication. So we evolved from calling and now like having to basically translate everything we do. Um, with texting, now you have um, even applications that will translate instantly for you. And there's even technology now that you can speak. There's this microphone. You speak into it and it immediately translates what you're saying to the other person. Okay. I use that um, work. And th- what's up? I said, yeah, I use it at work. I when I when I I mean, like I know Italian, but I know no Spanish, so like I can either try and muddle my way through it, or I could just use the microphone, which is easier. It, it's the whole um, the the romantic languages; they all have the same Latin root, so you can kind of muddle your way through it, and you'll be fine. But like, they'll, you'll kind of get the look of just like, you know what you're doing, do you? It's like, I know what you're trying to say, but you're you're kind of dumb. Yeah, no, I, I've had so um, many people that just look at me as being like, you speak the worst Spanish. <laughs> I, I took only two classes in college for Spanish. I took elementary one and elementary two, and I s- barely know anything. I could kind of BS my way through a... Um, conversation and I'm better with text than speaking. If someone literally showed me a newspaper, I could probably look at root words and say, okay, they're talking about this, this, and this, and then kind of figure out, like, puzzle pieces, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but, the, like, that, there's a barrier, so to speak, though, when it comes to verbal communication, whereas with picture-related communication, you know an apple is an apple if I showed you what the apple is. And when you when it comes to um, situations, whether they be grave, comedic, or both, um, you show someone a picture, it, they will immediately know what you're talking about, whether it be a body count, um, I don't know, Amy Schumer, which is just a meme in itself because she's not funny. Um, it's It all depends on the audience, because if you also try to share memes with... An older generation, it just would not work because there's that generational barrier. I want to say because they won't understand how we're now communicating, how our communication is evolving through the internet, and how we're dri- the driving force of how the world is shaping today. And eventually, we'll all just start talking like The Sims. Hey, listen, I'm not going to be surprised, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure half my life is a simulation. <laughs> <laughs> That'd make me feel better. Not if my life was a simulation. Uh, if, your life was a, if your life was a simulation, not mine. <laughs> See, that's 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 one of the things I think of. Like flat earthers think of is just like they, they probably think that everything's a simulation too, and like the world's completely flat. And I'm like, all right, there's even they even want to get a TV show so they can find the edge of the earth. And I'm like, yo, I'll pay money to see this. <laughs> That'd be great. Wait, what do you mean? We just we just landed in India. We just started India like. A month ago. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How does this work? <laughs> All right. There must be something wrong. <laughs> Our calculations are incorrect. Especially, exactly. There is even a meme that's like, we have um, flat earthers all around the globe. And someone <laughs> immediately comments, say that again, but slower. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that one. It's just like, I don't... People, even people themselves are becoming legitimate memes where you just look at them and you, you can't help but just laugh. Whether, and it, 
even though, like, in most terms, if you call someone a lovely breathing meme, usually it's within an insulting context. And I'm one of those people that won't take it as insulting context because I'm like, yeah, you're right. I, I become a literal physical meme. I only speak in memes, and I will literally show memes every day. Yeah, no, you're a meme. That's, that's why I had you on here. As you sit there drinking your banned tea, <laughs> as you dab. It's not banned yet. It's not banned. <laughs> is that where your stockpile is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, for the uh, listening audience at, at home, our guest is drinking tonight tea that is about is probably going to be banned. <laughs> Not, al- not um, alcohol, just banned, yeah. banned drinks. So I almost said a banned educational monument. The, the base, the nice little tidbit of uh, education. So there's this um, root called uh, kratom, and it's it's like it, it's kind of hard to get get a hold of it. It's easy and difficult, I want to say, um, but it's this root that's kind of grew in the. Um, the, I want to say, like, um, Pacific Islands, kind of, like, near Fiji a little bit, um, and, um, Philippines, kind of, kind of around those areas, even though I'm probably completely off because geography is not my, my strong suit, um, and basically, it's becomes this, like, depending on what strain you have, it helps with, like, anxiety, stress, um, pain relief, um, but the only downside is, according to the FDA, is the fact it also, um, because it can trigger the opioid receptors um, in your brain, but it's not to the strong strong uh, extent of, let's say, your um, shooting up age. It, it's not the same thing at all. This actually helps people get off of really hardcore drugs. And even if people aren't on drugs, um, it's just one of those things that people use for anxiety relief, um, another thing I also drink is, but it's not at all regulated, is um, kava, which is really nice for relaxing, except the problem is, since it's straight up a root, it tastes like dirt water. Yeah. But it, it works miracles. And you can actually buy that plant online and grow it yourself, so it's easier. Grow it yourself? I don't think so, because it needs a specific climate, but you can buy it online, Yes. Because the problem is, I don't know if you could really grow it on Long Island, just because of the way our climate is. Like, we're barely even suited to grow wine. Yeah, no, not where you are. To make where wine. I am. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, no, where you are, you're you're closer to a tropical climate. Yeah. Which would be best suited for it, especially Florida. Florida would be a hu- is already a huge place when it comes when it comes to cava and kratom. That's where they started the first cava bars. Um, and there's actually one out in Smithtown that I always frequent. This stuff is a miracle saver, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. It helps me be nice and meme every day. <laughs> Besides coffee. Coffee is my straight existence tool. If I don't have coffee, I might as well just jump off the roof now. <laughs> <laughs> I might literally kill myself. <laughs> coffee. Pre- preventing more suicides and, guidance, and school guidance counselors since... You're right. You're completely right. <laughs> that might get cut. <laughs> it honestly, I I'm pretty sure coffee's prevented more mass murders than anyone else. Because I I, I want to say like there, there's probably a good amount of people that if they didn't have coffee, they probably would be on, on the news the next day for something not so nice. I'm I'm one of them. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I I I've seen you without coffee at certain times, and I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> Um, all right, so I think that we've more or less covered everything I wanted to, um, except I do want you to definitely, uh, tell us a bit about your various shows and where people could find you and get on a soapbox, do a little song and dance if you want. <laughs> Go on. Um, he dabs, of course as for he da- <laughs> As for dancing, that, that's I got for you, <laughs> but, um, as I step on my soapbox, um, you can find me on YouTube uh, under the name Righteous Raiku. Um, I do one uh, podcast of uh, wrestling, which is called This Week in WWE. I usually have some guests on it. Some, sometimes I don't just because I usually fall um, sick or plans, whatever. But I, I usually do that. It'll, 
um, once a week. Sometimes it turns into once every other week just because I get lazy and then not really much goes on. That's me rambling, though. I also do Pokemon content that I have on the channel. Um, I have so many backlogs of things that I've done. I probably have almost 200 videos just because when I first created the channel, all I did was pump out content. And now I'm kind of like, I'm burnt out and I can't even make money off of this because of the YouTube update. Kill me! <laughs> um, and I do have um, a Twitter, which I will usually use um, when I post on my videos. It's also at uh, Righteous Raikou. And I do have a Twitch. I don't always stream. I'm going to eventually try to get back into streaming. Um, that is also at Righteous Raikou. Um, basically, any, you just look up Righteous Raikou and you literally try to look for this. If you look for this symbol, this is me. Um, you just did that on That's a podcast. You just did that on a podcast. No one's gonna see that, except for me right now, who just saw it. And the oh, NSA I thought this was actually fully recorded. No, no, it's an audio. Thing. But oh, rip, rip. Um, all your so, all your dabbing was for not. Uh, it's okay. I'm gonna put a blank oh, to everything. I'm so upset. <laughs> yes, um, I will definitely. If God forbid, Milo forgets, I'll probably be. Uh, sending him all the links yeah. so that way you guys can just catch on everything that I got. Cool. Alright, and um, everybody, uh, thank you again for coming on the show, and everybody, thank you for tolerating me and continuing to listen. Please continue to subscribe to us and on iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, even though I don't know how Twitter works, and I'm sorry if you follow me because it's just dead. Um... And please continue to buy Redbubble Red Bubble stuff. T-shirts, mugs, stickers. Buy t-shirts that say things like, Ask me about my death anxiety and gay sex is my anti-drug. Thank you so much for doing that. This is, that's what keeps the podcast costing me nothing. Um, and if you have ever had an alternative theological experience or you want to talk about death or you want to talk about culture, um, just... Send me an email at drinkingwithgod at gmail.com. Again, that's drinking with an I-N-G, because I'm an alcoholic and I need to drink with somebody. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you all stay weird out there.